Welcome, everybody, to the Eyes on Big Podcast, your go-to Big Ten football podcast, brought to you by the Amador Whiskey Company. I'm your co-host, Jeffrey the Greek. Joined this season by... This is Jordan here. Jordan, are you on Twitter? I am on Twitter. I'm Jordan Eggleston on Twitter, at JWEggleston7. And I am Jeffrey the Greek at Jeffrey the Greek. Thank you so much for listening and downloading the podcast. The chatter has been good uh, these past couple weeks. The numbers have been good. Uh, don't always get that at the end of the year as as teams fall off and their interest falls off. If if I if I could think through it on what that is, I feel like every team in the last week or two, or not maybe not every team, but Teams that maybe their fan bases thought had fallen off have rejuvenated themselves across, you know, like there's, we got a lot of teams that are still open for, for bowl games and things well, like yeah, that. Like I said, that last pod, you said everybody but Purdue still right. has a shot to make a bowl game. So that keeps fan interest alive. Hey, I think it know. does. And, and I, I don't know. I wish I was better at researching these things, but having 13 of 14 teams still bowl eligible as we're heading into the middle part of November, I'm not saying that that's extremely rare, but I think it's somewhat rare. And again, speaks to the very high basement that I believe the Big Ten football conference owns. Yep, I, I agree with you completely. I mean, you just it just proves even further how much this entire conference outside of the top three are all the big rest, like you had so yep. accurately deemed, deemed them last yep. week. I mean, these these teams are all so similar that it makes all these games so exciting. And that's why I think you're going to see what we're about to talk about here. Some of these lines and how they're so close. And some of these games are going to be so tough to call. I'm already predicting a bad week ATS for myself just because these lines are. I I mean, I don't know if I can predict a bad week, great week or somewhere in between, you know, like I have, it, it is such a tight deal. Jordan and I were just talking offline just a little bit before we, before we press record And essentially what we said is, you know, we both have somewhat the same process where obviously we have access to the lines and the totals really quick. You know, we're both very excited on Sunday right away to see where these are at. Some sometimes we play to to an unhealthy level at times. Um, And then I I'll be honest, I kind of forget them, you know, not Iowa's, you know, or or ones that stick out like Michigan Penn State this week. I mean, I've known what that one is all week. Um, but for the most part, I can kind of forget the 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 spreads. I can really forget the game totals. I'm pretty good at that. And then I go through a game script in my head on what I think I'm going to see. That's where I make my predictions. That's that's my process. It was shocking how close I came t- to what Vegas has, especially with the totals this week. Uh, it's late in the year. Not only are these football teams, you know, dialing stuff down, so are the desert people too. And I think that's what these lines and and, and totals are saying. Yeah. So I I have a little spreadsheet that I do, and when I go through and put my numbers in, I'm looking at my difference of over unders, and I'm within a score on my over unders of every single game. Yeah, it's crazy. So that's how close. That is. I done a very similar process to what you're talking about. Yeah. That's how so, close all of my over-unders are. I'm within a touchdown, under a touchdown, on every single one of them. So. And to me, uh, maybe that's this is the degenerate in me talking out loud. Uh, you're degenerate. Give a shout-out to Vegas Jer, uh, listener, and his degenerate 
that's what makes this all fun, right? Because there's so many I things agree. that I mean, you're definitely trying to find the ones that you feel good about. But if you're really sick, you know, then you then you even lead into the ones that maybe you're not so sure about. Sometimes um, I'll throw a random play out there just yeah. because it's fun. You know, I need something to cheer for at night. Right. You know, can't just be that uh, the uh, Big Ten game or whatever. All right, uh, as far as the off off topics that aren't straight football, right? Um, off the field stuff yeah there you go uh uh the saga continues in arbor we are obviously aware um as we record this on wednesday there's more stuff that we could talk about this isn't a avoidance of the topic it's that topic would take over the podcast um we still feel like there are definitive things that need to happen um, so we're not running away from it. If if something really concrete that we really feel like happens that we can then ingest, maybe we do a standalone pod. We just don't feel like we're there yet. Yeah, there's so many good games this week. We didn't think it, it's not fair to the games on this slate to clutter this entire episode with everything that's going on. There's tons of information that's come out, going to come out and keep coming out throughout the time. So why not just wait, collect the information? Obviously, when something massive does come out of this, we will talk about it. But too many good games right now to do the the injustice of wasting go. this time with that. And and even though you did a good job explaining that, there will still be Ohio State, Michigan State, oh, yeah. and general That's Michigan fine. haters are like, yeah, Jordan, Jordan just doesn't want to talk about it. But I'd be, you know what, I could sit here and talk about it for an hour and a half with any of them if they want to. I'm fine. Yeah, I don't want to talk about it for an hour and a half. I can assure you. <laughs> I agree. Yeah, exactly. Um, all right. And then I want to give a shout out to all of the uh, uh, USC and Washington game haters. Okay. So not haters of USC or Washington, haters of the style of play that the USC and Washington game provided on Saturday night. Uh, my guy Perk is going, he's gone hard in the paint for what well, he doesn't understand why it's getting so much love. But there's been more. There's been people that have DM'd me. I've seen just people on Twitter bringing it up. It's nice to see that my old bag of bones isn't the only person that thinks there should be at least some scorn thrown the way of a game that just gives up offensive yards and points like they're nothing. Well, and I think maybe a little bit of the college football playoff committee is acknowledging that by leaving Washington behind Down. Florida State mm-hmm. because you could argue resume-wise – Washington probably has a better resume than Florida State, but I test on the field when you see that defense being as bad as it is. Maybe that's why that is the I think way so. it is. I, I think there's something to that. And by the way, there finally was something to USC's defense being so bad that Alex Grinch finally got let go at USC, probably because they they considered them pretty much out of the of, of the Pac-12 playoff. I mean, or of the Pac-12 championship. I think they. I think they are out. Um, so my guess is that's what what got it uh, finally for um, Riley, that he could not ignore it any longer. He had to ax Alex Grinch finally. That's that's what it seems to me anyways. At, at some point, I mean, this, this has been – there were people when he was at Oklahoma that thought Grinch should have been fired, and hey, somehow he's wrote it out this long. It's honestly impressive by Alex yeah. Grinch. I may need to get in touch with them on how to – how to drag things out as long as he did. Iowa gets rid of their embattled offensive coordinator. Uh, USC gets rid of their embattled 
defensive coordinator. Maybe Minnesota fans will get rid of their embattled special teams coordinator. Maybe it's a week. Each one had to be a week across. I'm just trying to throw some. And then I think as a college football universe, we take all three of them and we send them down to Alabama and they have to be the OC, DC, and special teams coach under Saban. Just so we can watch. Oh, under Saban. Okay, what I was going to say is our friends at the Get Back Coach podcast, um, they threw out uh, uh, who who was the the head coach they threw out, the, the former Arizona State uh head coach oh herm edwards no no before him oh man i'm sorry i'm sorry jake and the crew but they threw out a very bad head coach wow great podcasting by me there i'm sorry if i um that and by the way that shows you how bad my name recollection is if i don't have it in front of me it's pretty much not gonna show up but anyways long story short lots of fun with that um speaking of of close matchups and what these games mean Rutgers is a unique situation right and by the way shout out to um aaron brightman and the scarlet faithful they had me on their podcast uh aaron had me on his podcast uh last night and i said you know Rutgers is in a unique situation in that they've already been bull eligible for quite some time we also know that they are not a threat to make it to indianapolis so they just had this last third of the season bull eligible just having some fun with the casino's money you know at that point but they're unique in that almost every team we're going to talk about is either playing to get to Indy or not yet bowl eligible with bowl eligibility being the biggest thing. Like most of these teams want to get over that bowl eligibility hurdle. Uh, so I, I've, I've coined a phrase. I don't know if this will hit with people or not, but I'm going to call some of these games a bowl game bowl, <laughs> meaning it's like a bowl game to see if you can get to bowl eligibility. Fun with the term. What do you think of that? Hey, everybody always says that once you get into November, these games don't matter if you're not in the playoff hunt. This is the prime example as to why all of these games matter because we have 13 teams. Well, not exactly. So there are certain teams that are still trying to get to a bowl game. Sure, they're yep. not getting to the playoff, but getting to a bowl game matters. It does. To all of these teams. And you can't tell a single one of the fans of those teams that these games don't matter. And that's Absolutely. what makes it exciting. Because even at six and six, you go win your bowl game, you finish with a winning record. That's a thing that doesn't hurt with recruiting. And then the biggest thing is that you get more practices and time with your players. I mean, I think coaches, young guys, your freshmen get more rep. That's so huge. All the coaches always say, I don't care about the bowl game. I care about the 20 whatever practices that we get. That's the most important thing to all of them. And that's when I see talking heads that are supposed to be college football fans of the sport say these bowl games don't matter that's why i push back because i'm like okay what is your definition of not mattering because having a like let's say i didn't mean to go off topic with this but let's say um an older guy you know that that is going to be draft eligible takes off honestly i've come to love that because now you've got a younger guy that gets experience in the bowl game, then that's a reason why bowl games matter and the extra practices, all those things. So when somebody says the bowl games don't matter, if they just mean the actual game itself, I even have exception with that. But if I'm taking it as the the total, the totalness that is your team getting to a bowl, by gosh, I do think they matter. So so some of these teams in these bowl game bowls, they're fighting for something. I couldn't have said it any better. I agree with you 100% about it. Jordan? Ah, dang it, I did it. (laughs) Inside joke. All right, let's go ahead and get into the action. We got seven big games this weekend, and just like Saturday, we got three games early, three games in the afternoon, one game in the evening. All of these games are on Saturday, 
November 11th. I looked it up. It is gorgeous weather all across the Midwest. I mean, it is the same uh, forecast pretty much everywhere. Late uh, Upper 40s to 50s to 60 degrees in sun across all of the Big Ten footprint. That is incredible for this time of the year. We're going to save one of these early games uh, for later and keep that for last. So let's start in the early window. The 3-6 and six, Indiana Hoosiers at the 4-5 and five, Illinois Fighting Illini. This is an 11 o'clock a.m. game on Big Ten Network line Illini by six and a hook over under 43.5. So Vegas is saying something like 25 to 18 fighting Illini. This is a uh, bowl game bowl ranking of four out of five stars here for this game. Okay. I like, I like that. That's that's we're starting off pretty high there with mm-hmm, your ranking. Mm-hmm, man. Mm-hmm, so yep. this, this is a sneaky good game. Um, overall, Illini lead the series 45, 25 and two. They have won four in a row. Last year's 23-20 victory. So recent history and overall history on the side of the Illini, but we will see with two teams that, you know, you have an Indiana team who seems to be trending up, an Illinois team that seems to be working up, and then they kind of wiggle a little bit and maybe nope and then back up. So we're very interesting, very good storylines in this game. Uh, led me right into what I was going to say. Uh, it's somewhat of a a trend on the Eyes on Big podcast is the Spider-Man meme Spider-Man meme players, Spider-Man meme game. Yep, Jordan and I point at each other. This is a th- these are Spider-Man meme teams right here. Both left for dead as early as late September, definitely middle of October, and in both cases, a little bit better quarterback play, a little bit better defensive play comes out of out of nowhere. Both fan bases are rejuvenated. I got Illinois fans talking smack. They're back in it. They're back engaged. I've got Indiana fans. Our boy, the King Fisher, he was all over people on social media. That was great. He came out of his cocoon and started swinging. So, yeah, and and it gets a bowl game bowl ranking of four out of five because, I mean, Illinois is firmly in the bowl game, you know, race at four and five. And then Indiana, they got a long shot here, right? They got to win out. But as you pointed out on the last podcast, they're, they, they could okay they, they could win out and if you win this game to use very simple math now you only have two games that you have to win to do so like tons to fight for i expect this to be a hardly fought contest as if they were playing for more than maybe some people think they are like i am i know i'm a i know i'm a sickle for this stuff but man this game is it's got me intrigued to see how this goes well, I mean, you're looking at the, a line of six and a half for this game, and I would contend that that's the biggest line left on their schedule. The next two games, I think that line might be even shorter, especially if they win this game. So right. winnable games going forward. To me, this game 100% comes down to quarterback play. I mean, is Lukey Legs healthy and playing? Is he not? I Do you know? I don't know. I, I, I don't think we know. Um, we believe it was more concussed than phalanges because i think people thought he hurt his hand with some but n- now we think it's it's between the ears i'm going to go under the assumption for this football contest that he is not playing and not available so we got we got the legacy john paddock that i think is going to be the quarterback and you know great story obviously came in and slung it around he's no rookie right i mean this guy has played a lot of of you know high level football but you know w- will there be a coming back to the earth now that He's a part of the entire, 
you know. Um, um, well, there has to be a little bit because remember, he has the <laughs> highest PFF grade ever. So he's got to come down a little bit. Yes, we will make the prediction that he will not have a 99.5 ranking all through this game, especially when he's going against an Indiana defense. Like, man, I, 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 I'm, I've, I, I kind of uh, went in on some Indiana games and watched the last two games. And it's like, I don't know if people, in fact, I know that people aren't paying attention to Indiana football. And if they did, if they watched some of these games, they, they would see that this, this, this team is playing a lot better, like way better than I would have thought they would have been playing just like a month ago. Especially on the defensive side of the ball, yep. guys like Aaron Casey. And I mean, their their defense is just—they're flying all over the field. They're they're forcing mistakes. They're they're not making mistakes themselves, which is important. So, and especially in a game like this, where you may have a backup quarterback, you may not. You you need to be able to one limit your own mistakes and create some havoc. I think they can do all that. Another per another entity uh, that deserves a lot of credit for this resurgence is resurgency is Brendan Sorsby. I Definitely. feel like, yeah. And I tell you, man, like not only is he feeling more confident and maybe because of that, I, I'm seeing more talent, you know, like he, he can wing it, man. And then I'm, it's like, Ooh, he's got some legs too. You it's know, not like, gimmicky, you know, he's, no. he's making good throws. Like that's it's not, what I'm not saying. A, oh, look, look. That, that he shouldn't have thrown that. Like, no, that's a good throw in a tough spot. I agree. Like one of his first throws last week versus Wisconsin was, I mean, I think it was the first play of the game and they come out and they just run like a 10, 11 yard out route comeback. And he just stuck it in there. You know, like it, it was the only place he could be. And that's, that's kind of a, that's a risky throw coming right out first. You know, that's where pick six has come from and stuff like that. And he just, he stuck it in there, went right down the field on that first drive versus Wisconsin. The offense didn't exactly explode after that. Okay. They were, they were up seven, nothing early, only got 13 points on the board after that um, versus the, you know, Wisconsin defense that's figured a few things out, but long story short, I, I'm seeing good things overall out of the Hoosiers. Same thing with Illinois. Illinois fans happy to have their All-American defensive lineman in for the whole game. We saw. No, you, you don't say that helps, man. Oof. That's weird. yeah. So it's like, wow, we, we won the game last week by only having him half the time. What can we do this week with having him the whole game? And and I gotta say, like, I think I'm to the point now where Jerzon is not here or there he, when he's in the game. He, he is a fi- official, uh, effectively a, a wrecking ball across the whole game. Like he, he is a game plan wrecker or a game plan maker, meaning we have to account for him with our play calling in order in order to get around him. I mean, it's just well, you can, amazing. You can you can say that Indy or Illinois' resurgence is based on that. When we started to see him play full games and at the uh, the motor and the level that he can and should play that's when illinois has started to win some of these games and looked better shockingly weird when your best players yes. play like your best players you win more games it's a crazy thing to think i mean it's a theme maybe an off-season pod where it's just i swear the sport of college football is more dependent on superstars now than it ever has been maybe because of NIL and transfer portal, the, the the superstars are spread out more. So when you have one on a team, it, they stand out more. I don't know. That's that's coming off the top of my head right there. Um, I don't think but, you're wrong. I don't think no, you're wrong. It, it, it's at least a, a story, you know, or a thought process. So I'll just go ahead and jump in. 
Jerzan plays into this, okay? Um, As far as this prediction, this is my first prediction where I swear I went through it organically and I came up a half point away from the game total. But one thing I do feel good about is that Indiana will play this closer than what Vegas thinks, all right? So I've got Illinois 23, Indiana 21. So that is a Indiana cover somewhat comfortably and at 44 points i have that going a half game over the vegas total well we see it similar in the fact that i do think indiana keeps this game close but i don't see as many points i think that both of these defenses are the best pieces of these teams so to me that leans under so i have illinois 21 and indiana 17 so that's a cover for the hoosiers and it's very it's pretty safely under i do with lukey legs out if this Indiana team can create a few turnovers, that's how they win this game. That's how they upset this game. Weird thing is, if Lukey Legs was the quarterback, I would predict almost exactly what your score is. I am honestly nervous of the paddock effect. I think he unlo- I think he might have unlocked something with a downfield throw game. And that's what I'm interested in seeing. Like that that thought process played into my I actually had a higher game total at one point. I think I had like 27 to 24, and I'm like, whoa, what am I drunk? I, that, that's way too high. So I backed it down a little, uh, but it, it still wound up being over. We'll see. You know, hey, it's it's hard for the, the guy, to the backup to come in and be the guy. You know, that yeah. first game in as the backup, you always see that that high end, and there's always a little bit of coming back to earth. So I don't know. That, that'd be the interesting point to watch. But at the same time, these this defensive coordinator is scrambling to find what this guy does well. They probably had that's to go true. back to the Ball State stuff. So I don't know. Some, that's something what we only have to wait a couple days and we get to find out. Yep. Next game up, the five and four Maryland Terrapins at the five and four Nebraska Cornhuskers. This is an 11 o'clock a.m. game on the cock line. Terps by two and a half over under 45. Vegas is saying 24 to 21 Terps. Only the third time these two teams have met, Huskers are 2 0 hmm. all time. So 2019 was the last time they played where Nebraska won 54 to seven that's tough so uh i'm gonna go out on a limb yeah we will not see 61 points in this game nope i i feel very safe saying that the other thing i feel very safe saying is i absolutely hate this game as far as a prediction comes because i just like you look at a nebraska defense that is very good against the run and struggles against the pass a maryland offense that struggles to run the ball and throws it pretty well right like it just it just Oh, it's I hate this game as far as a pick goes. I've got a bowl game bowl ranking of five out of five, baby. It doesn't get any better than this. Both teams sitting at five and four, meaning whoever wins this game is officially bowl eligible. That is something that Nebraska fans have been screaming and asking for for three, four years now. I mean, longer than that, but like especially getting to the point where let just get us to a bowl. Then you look at Maryland, they've got they've had momentum going in the football program, right? So to miss out on a bowl to potentially finish 5 and 7 with with potentially seven losses in a row if it goes down like that, they don't want anything to do with that. When you look at their last couple games of the year, I'm not saying this is their best chance to win a game, but I am. Okay. I am. It's probably. I will it. say it. It's the Both best of chance. them have tougher matchups than what they're looking at the following two weeks. I don't think there's any denying it. 
hence the bowl game bowl rate rate rating of five out of five. This is this is for for the fans that cheer for Nebraska, which we know there are a ton, and for the fans that are left, our guy John and whoever is left for the Terrapins, this is a butt clenchy game, right? This is a game that they're going to enjoy more when it's over. Probably I wish it wasn't they, at this time because it's the same time as the Michigan game, obviously. So I won't yes. be able to watch it as closely. But well, this will be locked on my number two TV because I because can't it has switch to off be of freaking the cock. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. I will get a ton of this, and obviously, so yeah. Um, now switching over to the contest itself. Okay. Um, I'm not going to say I was like shocked to see Maryland open up the favorite, but I was kind of surprised. Okay. I was. Is, yeah, I was a little is, bit. I think okay. I even texted you. I think. Yeah. Like this isn't Lincoln, right? Isn't this in Lincoln? Isn't this a Maryland team that's lost five games in a row coming into this game? You, you. I mean, I know you are, and I'm definitely taking those things into account. So then you start looking at what the desert people are looking at. My guess is what the desert people are looking at is that I do think the the weakness or I don't want to say weakness. I want to say the best way to attack, okay, the Nebraska defense is through the air. That's what Maryland can do. You know Lox is going to come out with an aggressive game plan to attack this back seven. Yeah, you ha- I think you, you have to. I mean, at this point, this Maryland offensive line has been so bad. Bad trying to run the ball. I mean, we don't need to rehash last week's stats with Penn State. And obviously, this is a little bit of a step down in defense between Penn State and Nebraska. But run defense-wise, this Nebraska run defense is really good. So you don't think that Lox is going to come out and try to run the ball 20 times. So you lean on Leah. I mean, you have to in a game like this. And we know with Leah, that can be really good. That can be really bad. If he's the Leah that throws three picks, this could snowball quickly for the Terps. But... Nebraska, like I think you were the one that told me they, they've struggled getting after the quarterback a little bit. So it's they struggle getting after the quarterback, and you have an offensive line for Maryland that's not good. So which which piece right. steps up more and makes the plays that they have to make? To be clear, Nebraska isn't bad at getting at the quarterback. Um, maybe a little bit better with TFLs, uh, to be to be specific with it. Um, so as far as uh success rushing the ball when Maryland has the ball. Don't see a ton of it, but I know how it could probably come, and it's from Leah's legs. Um, I, I will be interested to see how much of Leah's legs are built into Lox's game plan. But really, one of the more interesting things to watch when this is locked on TV too is that first, you know, the Lox League script right out of the get-go. Um, I almost expect Maryland to go up 7-0 in this game because of what locks will hit before Tony White can adjust. And Tony White will adjust because Tony White is a great defensive coordinator. But that start to the game is huge. I also think that plays into this um, where Vegas is at because I think what Vegas is seeing and what Nebraska fans would be petrified for is one of these teams can score in bunches, and that's Maryland. If Maryland scores in bunches early – does Nebraska have the chops to get back in the game? That's what I think is making Vegas come with what they're at and, you know, maybe making Husker fans a little nervous for this game. Yeah, and, that, and that's very possible. I honestly didn't didn't think about it in that perspective, but it's a good point. The question, too, for me is Maryland's def- Maryland defensively. We know the struggles that Nebraska's had throwing the ball, so do they just sell out, load the box, and put – 
every I mean, they run straight man to man on the outside and say you're gonna have to throw it to beat us. And can Harburg do that? You almost think as a Maryland team, you have to do that. You have to say, okay, we're not going to let you run the ball. You're gonna have to throw the ball because then you know the whole turnover issue that we've had with Nebraska starts to come more into play. Interesting game plan, interesting strategy. I think we're gonna have to I'm I'm curious to see what Maryland does defensively because we know. Offensively, they're going to have to throw it. We know, yeah. we know that. That's just what have it's going to be. Yep. Defensively, do they force Nebraska to try to throw it? This is an intriguing game. I mean, there's, there's so, there's, if you are a Big Ten sickle like Jordan and I, there's intriguing games all over the place. This one's intriguing to me. Um, you got the, you know, you got the Matt Rule effect, meaning he's trying to get momentum going. You got the Locks effect of he's trying to keep some good feels going with the program. So, like, I feel like both, teams are fighting for something. I do feel like there's a little more fight that I'm feeling from Nebraska. Maybe that's because of so many, uh, you know, followers I have of Nebraska as compared to turf fans on Twitter. And you just get it very possible. You get it beamed into your brain, whether you like it or not. Here's another thing though. Locks coming into this game at Maryland three and 13 in big 10 games in November. So the, so the November for locks is emphasis on NO meaning, there's there's, not there's good. no wins yeah or not good I don't, I don't like it it hasn't been good uh uh in november um and it, it's not all about weather in the passing attack right there's more going on here with this like i can't put my finger on it i i don't think like i don't know i you know like it's been injury sometimes i don't think that's necessarily the case this this year but I mean, the use... one common trend is always that offensive line. It's the Big Ten. You cannot yeah, I... win Big Ten games if your if your trenches are bad. You can't. And I would it's and I would maybe say both years. And I would maybe say both sides that's, of the yeah, trenches. Very like, fair. Yes. And they looked better at the beginning of the year. So shout out to that. But over time, the development maybe it's maybe it's lack of depth. It, it's hard for me to say. Uh, but I'll jump into that. All of that plays into this for me at home. Like, you got to go get this, Nebraska, right? Like, I really have the feeling that that's what they need to do. Um, there is a stinky cheeseness about this line, right? Oh, definitely. But, okay, what Vegas is saying is we're only making Maryland a two-and-a-half-point favorite when we really think they're a six- or seven-point favorite. That's what Vegas is saying to me, okay? But I'm going to predict it. I think Nebraska will finally not... <laughs> turn the ball over with amazing amounts of turnover. So like, I'm, I, I know I like Jordan looks at me. I like, I, I'm probably crazy for saying it, but like turnovers are the one thing where it can be fixed in one week, you know, or at least look better for a week. Right. It's got to happen. Okay. It's got to happen. It's been such a point of emphasis. I'm going to say it's going to happen because of that. We're going to get points on the board. I don't trust Maryland's defense hardly at all right now. So I'm going to say Nebraska 24, Maryland 23. So I have the outright win for Nebraska. So that's obviously a cover. And at 47 points, I have this going over the game total. Um, We see it very similar. Uh, This is another one of those games where the lines are close. And when I have that, what do I do? I go to the the unit that I trust the most in the game. I trust the Nebraska defense the most in this game to be the most consistent. I'm with you. I got Nebraska outright winning this game 24, 20. So very close, close just under that number because of the defense, because yeah. of Nebraska's defense is why I think this stays under. 
I think at Lincoln, like you said, is a massive, massive, massive thing. That is any any Big Ten fan base that goes to that environment will tell you, even when they were terrible, that's still a tough place to go play. Okay. So um, I think it matters. No, it it, I, it definitely matters. I mean, definitely the a, a crowd that big and raucous uh, uh, matters. Uh, but I, I, I almost talked myself into going further on the over and having this as my Amador lock of the week. Because that line saying that Maryland is good, you know, is going to win. I think that means they think it's going to be a Maryland type of game, which means points, right? The other side of it is this has the potential to be crazy. And to me, craziness is points. So that's, that's my two things. So that's fair. I mean, the turnover, the turnover aspect alone could lend to that to points, right? Moving into the afternoon, the six and three. Rucker Scarlet Knights at the seven and two, number twenty-two ranked Iowa Hawkeyes. This is a two thirty p.m. game on Big Ten Network. Line Hawks by one. Over under a historically low twenty-eight. That means Vegas is saying fifteen to thirteen Iowa. That, that, that's how the numbers come out, or fifteen fourteen. If you want to go on the other side, uh, this is a no bowl game bowl. Because I mean, these these teams don't worry about bowl games. They've been bowl eligible for for quite some time. Uh little side note here: as a as a Michigan fan, I have slight rooting interest in this because if we if there's a three way tie, yep, in this, I need Iowa to lose some more games and yep. Rutgers to win this game. So, so small yep. rooting interest in this for Michigan fans out there. Uh, overall series, Hawks lead at three and zero. Only play this will only be the fourth meeting, uh, twenty seven to ten last year. So. Way over that point total last year, so that's that's interesting. And that went over the point this game total. to me is that fun. went over the point total last year because of defense and special teams. <laughs> oh yeah, right. you oh, take that away. Me, you take that away. We're we're right at the game total that that we have for this year. This this game to me is a lot of fun. I just, I said that the last game I hated it for picking it. I absolutely love this mm. game yeah. because one I'm sick and a 28 point line for an over under is just fun as all hell for me to look at but the but it's just the pure matchups in this game i think is going to be fascinating to watch Absolutely. you have a Rutgers team that is good at running the ball and wants to run the ball and iowa defense that will not let you run the ball and on the opposite side a Rutgers defense that is really good and an iowa offense that we know what it is yep. i mean yep. this is fascinating to me i love it and to me there's one key thing for this entire game that i'm watching and his name is Gavin Wimsett. Yep. Um, got three it, losses and three pick six, and this Iowa defense wants to do it. Yep. Can he avoid the huge mistake in this game and go into Kinnick and pull off this win? That's the question. And before we get into the, you know, the more player breakdowns, back on the superlatives, um, the game total, right? So people had been getting so had been getting so excited for these 30 and 31 point game totals. And I thought I had been tweeting it out or saying it on the pod. I'm not sure. Um, I'm going to say it now. But I I kept telling people, like, if you think this is going to be a low game total, wait until you see the Iowa-Nebraska game total. Like, I, I thought 27 and a half would be the game total for Iowa-Nebraska. I still – now I'm wondering if they're setting this game at 28, is Iowa-Nebraska going to get under that? So, like, this is where I thought the Iowa-Nebraska game would be at. So, with this being at 28, 
It's crazy. So, like, it's definitely going to be something that people are going to watch. I am getting the sense, by the way, like what I did the, of course, I put all top four games out for vote to Twitter. I get made fun of every week because obviously we knew which the game was going to be. I will say this. This game pulled pretty darn well. I know part of that is because it's Iowa fans. But, man, I am reading through the comments and, and reading DMs. There's a it's gotten to a point now where these Iowa games and totals has taken on a, a, a sideshow effect to it. Has it not where people are actually tuning in because they're like, I, I want to check this out to see how down and dirty these games get. I'm not saying it's a great thing. I'm saying it's actually happening. It's a it's like a go driving down the highway and you drive past an accident yeah. and everybody's got to slow down and look like <laughs> everybody wants to right. see what happened. So I don't know. If you if they do this in Michigan, but in Minnesota, uh, especially around the metro, if there's an accident, they have these pop up screens that come up so that it stops Gawker slowdowns because you yep you literally cannot see they won't let you see the accident so that they stop huh. the Gawker correct yep that's doesn't a ha- good idea no we it, don't have that around here okay it doesn't happen every single accident but you know style of accident and location will play into that. Do they have one available big enough to fit over Kinnick Stadium? I don't think they do. So we're going ahead and watch this game on the Big Ten Network. Okay. I'm with you with Gavin Wimsett, right? Um, he he is going to be a, a gigantic factor in this game. And it's two ways, okay? It's it's can he avoid the gigantic pick six or pick six type of play, you know, game? My my thing would be even if it's not a pick six. If he throws an interception near the red zone when they're going in for a big score and it's a big momentum boost for Iowa, that 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 t- type of play, that's going to be huge. Another factor would be his legs. I still am a big believer in Gavin Wimsett keeping the ball and, and running. Uh, Iowa's defense struggles with that. I mean, seemingly everybody's defense struggles with that. So that's something I'm, I'm going to see. When Rutgers has the ball. Here's another fun stat. Fun with stats here, okay? Okay, Kyle Manungay. Eyes on big favorite? Is that is that fair to say this year, Jordan? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He's definitely up there. We were definitely pretty early. Top group. We we're pretty early in the Kyle Manungay. Were we not? Like mid-September? Yep. Kyle Manungay with 903 yards. The leading rusher in the Big Ten. The next closest running back, Travion Henderson at 585 yards that's a 318 yard difference between the fun guy Kyle Manungai and the next guy down incredible stats for this guy well it's and it, it's twofold because it's not only is he is it the yards and it's the productivity but it's the health and the availability like he's staying on the field I mean there's a lot of great running backs in this league that like you said Trivion can't stay healthy the Minnesota backs can't stay healthy he's been on the field he's been out there your number one ability is your availability. And there you go. He's, he's had that there. plus talent, plus yep. a Rutgers offensive line that should be considered amongst some of the most improved over D lines from last year to this year or off season to now. It's been incredible what they've been able to do. So Iowa fans tuning into this game that are extremely confident and puffy chesty with their defense as they should be, because this is a great defense. Don't be shocked if between the 20s, there's some success from this rushing attack from yep. Rucker. So, like, I expect thinking to the see, same thing. Yep. I expect to see it. Um, now, one thing I would say is when Gavin Wimsett is in rhythm, when he puts his foot into the ground and throws, he looks good. 
a lot of that comes kind of through the middle. I expect Phil Parker to put a stopper on that, maybe not first part of the game, but pretty quickly after that. So I think Iowa will have the ability to make uh, uh, Rutgers play with one hand behind their their back a little and, and just run the ball. We'll, we'll see. Uh, but I will say the team that can run the ball, okay, I'm not coming up with anything huge here, but the team that can run the ball and or the team that controls the turnovers, that's who's winning this game. I would, I would, I'll put a little caveat on it. It's not to me, because I think both teams will have some success running the ball. It's, I think it's the team that can run the ball the most consistently and for the longest stretch yes. of time. Because I do think at points you're going to see Iowa hit some nice runs, and I think at points you will see Rutgers hit some nice runs. It's which one of those teams and which of these coaching staffs can find something where they can take an advantage somewhere and keep that rushing attack going long enough. Yes. That's where I think it leans into. And if, if you do you have more, you want me to go ahead and go right into it? Just a little bit more. I agree with that unless there is an explosive play. The an explosive play, which both teams have shown. They're not blowing, they're not blowing you out of the water with their offense, but both of them have had the ability to get an explosive play. That would be another thing to look at. If one team has, you know, two explosive plays and the other one has zero or one or something like that, maybe that's a difference. Here's a difference maker, too. Listen, I'm pretty proud of the kicking game and, and special teams in general. So Tory Taylor. And Drew Stevens, punter kicker for Iowa, are going to be huge, along with Jai Patel and Flynn Appleby, kicker punter for Rutgers. I mean, the, those little, little side note there: the kicker punter combo for Rutgers, all-time name. Absolutely, like, Absolutely. A kicker Patel, punter combo. That is that is awesome name game. <laughs> Fantastic. Um, go ahead. You you go ahead and start with the prediction, and I'll follow you. Yeah. So every single thing we said to me leads to one thing and that's under right like we said teams are going to run the ball control the clock control the game except for one piece of it and it's what we talked about in the last game the turnovers there's going to be a turnover in this game that's going to directly influence the result of this game and that's why i have this iowa 17 rutgers 13 (laughs) so that's 30 just over Hawks obviously cover the one point. I could see this being a 13-10 game and a pick six yep. happens or something. Right. And then Iowa just smothers them the rest of the way down the field. Um, yeah, we see almost the same thing. Um, okay. Last week, uh Deacon Hill had arguably his best performance going 10 of 15 for less than a hundred yards, one pick and one touchdown. So, like, can I get 10 of 15 for 120 yards without the turnover? If I can get something like that, I feel really good about Iowa. I don't think we'll get that. I'm just saying if we did. <laughs> but in the end, my 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 kind of mantra, or I don't know how the best way to describe it, has been, are you exceptionally bad or are you, or are you exceptionally good going against this Iowa team? Exceptionally bad being Western Michigan, good being Penn State. <laughs> Rutgers is in the middle, right? They're, they're in the – so this is going to look like an Iowa game. I will take Iowa winning an Iowa game in Iowa City. Uh, so I have got Iowa 16, Rutgers 13. You had 17-13. I have 16-13. to 13. That is an over at 29 points. That is a point over. Insert laughter right there. But th- this is getting a little too 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 low, I think. Uh, I mean, So it, much of me wanted to bet the under. So I know. much of me. But it's just, there's so many ways with the turnover aspect of this that over hits. That's, yes. that's the only reason to me you can't play that. Correct. Uh, so, um, I, and by the way, I mean, I very much am entertaining 
the idea that Rutgers can win this game. Okay, I want to throw that out there. This isn't something that would would shock me. Um, and if they do, okay, I think Rutgers should replace Iowa in the college football rankings. I think they're getting a little bit too much flack out there. Okay, this is a good team. So that just one one point I wanted to make. It I obviously if Iowa wins, they should stay ranked, maybe even move up. If Rutgers wins, they should take their place. You got any major concerns with that? No, I was honestly thinking the exact same thing. I yeah. mean, this Rutgers team is sitting at seven and three. You, there's no excuse at that point. And if that happens, maybe Rutgers get, fans will celebrate, maybe maybe with an amateur whiskey. The Eyes on Big Podcast is sponsored by the Amateur Whiskey Company. Our unique process takes the highest quality Kentucky bourbon and finishes in California wine barrels. This double barrel aging technique creates characteristics from the individual barrels that are blended together to make an exceptional whiskey. Perfect sip, neat, or in your favorite bourbon cocktail, Amador is the perfect go-to this fall on game day. Amador Whiskey Company, born in Kentucky, raised in California. Sticking in the afternoon, the 5-4 and four Minnesota Golden Gophers at the 2-7 and seven Purdue Boilermakers. This is a 2.30 p.m. game on NBC. Line Purdue by one. Our second one-point line this weekend. Over-under 46.5. Vegas is saying 24-23. to 23. These teams tend to play some barn burners. What do you got here? Overall series is Gophers lead 41-34-3. So pretty close all time. Uh, Boilers did win the last one, 20 to 10. Mm-hmm. So last year, um, obviously a Big Ten West championship Purdue Boilermaker team. And that game ended up being pretty influential in those end of Huge. season standings, if I remember correctly. So, yeah, that was that was a painful loss for Gopher fans uh, last season. Uh, that was the 2022 season. The 2023 season says, hold my beer. <laughs> I got way more. <laughs> I got way more painful ones for you here. With that being said. The Gophers are sitting at five and four, uh, which means they are one win away from bowl eligibility. So I have given this a bowl game bowl rating of 2.5 out of five, with the 2.5 being all Minnesota, uh, because unfortunately, Purdue's not there. Ooh, if only Purdue beat, you know, held on for one of their out of Big Ten games, because they lost two that they could have won. They'd be sitting at three and six. They would be bowl eligible. I mean, it's been that close for Purdue. Um, as I kind of already said, when these two teams get together, they have played some thrillers. Now we've had a big change from last year to this year, which is Jeff Brom, like Tom is no longer the coach. Ryan Walters is the coach, but there's still some similarities on Purdue kind of, you know, I mean, they were better last year and the year before, don't get me wrong, but like still some similarities on, on the styles and how these two match up. I don't know, man, this with this line, for what Vegas is saying and kind of what I'm seeing out of these teams, we could be in for an interesting afternoon in West Lafayette. Yeah, I think the the line, this to me was the most, well, the second most surprising line mm-hmm. of of the week. I don't know, think you'll figure out what my most surprising line was okay. later. Okay. Um, but to me, it's got to be because what Purdue did last week versus Michigan and the scheme that they played, where they, they played their man-to-man, they loaded the box, they said Michigan's not going to run the ball, and overall had pretty good success against a good Michigan team in limiting that run. So then you have a Minnesota team who, what do they do? They like to line up and run the ball. So maybe Vegas sees this as, okay, we know what Purdue's going to do to try to limit the run, mm-hmm. and we've seen Minnesota struggle to be able to create yes. any kind of downfield passing game. That's why this game plays the way it does. That's, that's the way I'm seeing it. That's and the I way it is. The one note I wrote for 
for Purdue's defense was you have to have the exact same game plan. Ethan has got to beat you. That's the only way you're going to win this game is you make him beat you. I, I literally have that right here. I, 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 I said I have the same game plan as Purdue had last week versus Michigan. Um, I, I, I was also going to point out, listen, transitive property is silly for the most part, but I don't think you completely throw it away. And the fact is Purdue just looked better versus like a Michigan than Minnesota did. Okay. And, and in spite of Purdue's offensive line, which is my number one concern in this game, um, they still have the ability to get the ball to the outside and get their running backs into space. Like I, I could see Tyrone Tracy being the the uh, number one rusher, not only for Purdue, but potentially for this, this game. Um, and then Purdue's defense, like Ryan Walters is a defensive mind. That's just all there is to it. And, and like, he has these, you know, three down linemen. He's always got one or two. Just th- they are slicing through offensive lines and getting at not only uh, uh, the ball carriers but the quarterbacks. Well, like I think the front seven is is getting you know a little bit more comfortable, especially like the three technique. So like I I think that's what I'm I'm seeing. I I don't I don't completely trust it. I I don't like as a Purdue fan that I'm not fighting for a bull. But I think you can keep your team intact more, even when you're out of bowl contention, if you're the first year on campus, right? They're still, you know, selling a we're building for the future, who wants to be with us type of deal. I think that's all all playing into this. As far as the Gophers, you know, Ethan Calic man has definitely looked better, okay, last week. I think I trust Ethan Calic man is more in Dinky Town than I do on the road. Yeah, and and I'm 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 still not sure on the overall health of the Minnesota running back room. I expect the the rushing attack to be okay, but for the explosiveness, I need one of one if not both of their top guys in the backfield healthy. And I don't think we still have that just yet. Well, I think the other piece that you need for Minnesota is you need Daniel Jackson to be the the best athlete out there because. We know what Purdue's going to do. We just talked about it. So what do you need to be able to beat that? You need good, talented athletes to make big plays. We've seen him be that good. We've seen him be that talent. Can him and somebody else step up and help Cali Manis get some plays down the field to make this Purdue secondary? I mean, Purdue eventually last week against Michigan had to go a little more zone because Michigan forced them to do it. That's what Minnesota's got to get to. They've got to get to the point where they can force Purdue to have to play a little bit of zone. You need guys like Daniel Jackson to be able to do that. And, and that's to me, it's simple, but it's not because not it's literally enough. that what it, that's what it has to be. But can you do it? Especially with Brevin Span Ford still being on the back of a milk carton. Um, you're you're a big Daniel Jackson fan, too. You're you, you got a Daniel Jackson poster. Who's who's the other guy that you love so much? I'm having a brain fart off the top of my head. We just talked about it on last podcast. Non-Michigan player. It'll come to me. Um, Speaking. Barrow? Well, that, that that would actually be that's not the one I was thinking of, but that would be another one. Um, one guy that I don't think we've mentioned enough on the podcast this season that I want to mention is uh Minnesota DB Tyler Newbin. I mean, definitely all Big Ten. He, he he might be having an all-American season, which is interesting because it's happening with a Minnesota defense that's n- not exactly looking great all the time. I mean, it wasn't just that late game meltdown. It 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 was Kind of other parts of the game, you know, I mean, big chunks of the first half haven't looked great either. 
And when you go back in time and look, like they're the best the defense looked was versus Iowa. <laughs> you don't get credit for that. Everybody's defense looks good versus Iowa. So that's something that plays into what I'm going to say here in a little bit to foreshadow here because I see individual players. Tyler Lindbergh uh, uh, is a good linebacker. He's, he's looked good when healthy and in there. Like, um, there's guys at each level that I have faith in, but for some reason, how it's coming together and the communication on defense hasn't looked good. So I, that is something that's going to play into what I think Vegas is showing us and what I'm going to have for my prediction. I, I think we're going to have some points in, in West Lafayette. Yeah, I mean, the goal for defense is it's very weird because there are stretches where it's really, really good. And then there's the moments, like you mentioned, where it's just like they completely disappear disappear, and there's big play after big play after big play. And and to me, a big play doesn't have to be 25, 30 yards touchdowns. They can be the, the 10 or 15-yard bust on a second long or third long that just continue to let a drive keep going and eventually wear that defense down. That's the part of the goal for defense that has have, that I've struggled with the most. Yep. But if you're ready, I'll go right into my score. Go ahead. Go ahead. So we got another game, very close line, mm-hmm. and I'm going to lean on what I've le- been leaning on all year, the unit I trust the most, and I still trust this Minnesota defense the most out of all the units here, and it's mostly because Purdue's offensive line is so banged up and yep. so injured. Can they protect Hudson Card long enough? I just don't think it happens. I think Minnesota has enough defensively to pull this out. So I've got the Gophers 24 21 that's 45 just under the number but a go for outright win so the plus one i'll take that extra point any day of the week listen i don't hate it i don't think you're crazy for picking it we are as opposite from how we have viewed a game as maybe we have all season with this um stinky stinky cheese here and i you know i don't know if it means i'm eating the cheese or i'm not eating the cheese i don't exactly know how that works but like the stinky cheese is there for a reason, is, is my whole point. I've got Purdue 28, Minnesota 24. So I feel wow. pretty good about Purdue covering. I feel even better about the over in this game. I don't trust the Minnesota defense nearly as much as you do. I think Dion Burks is going to potentially go nuts on Saturday afternoon into the evening in West Lafayette. I think we're going to have a, a shootout game. The pain for Minnesota fans continues, and the desire to get to a bowl game lingers on further for Minnesota. Very, very interested to see how this plays out now, because I think you're right. I think this is the furthest we've been apart on a game. Yep. Going to be great. Going to be great to see. Stanley in the afternoon window, the 4-5 and five Northwestern Wildcats coming into Cheeseland to take on the 4-5 and five Wisconsin Badgers. This is a 2.30 p.m. game on FS1 line. Badgers by 11 over-under 42.5, so Vegas is saying something like 27-16 to 16 Badgers. Yeah, very interesting game on our hands. I know I think I've said that just about every single time so far. Because it is. Uh, yeah, right? Badgers lead the all-time series 62-37-5, including last year's 42-7 victory. But we all know this isn't that same Badger team and the same Wildcat team, for that matter, as we saw last year. No, it's not. And the other thing I would throw out is these two teams have historically played pretty darn close games. I think if you get a Badger fan with a couple beers in them, he would admit that this game always makes him a little bit nervous. This has got a bowl game bowl ranking of 4.5 out of 5. Is that because I, they're both 4 and 5? Yes, and and it could be as low as 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 4, okay? Um, did I get 
Wisconsin's record correct right there? Did I screw that up? Did I? Well, I've got four and five on here. Is that's not right? Is it? I'm not. I don't think that's right. I'm sorry. Let me reset that because I am pretty sure Wisconsin is five and four. Sorry, Wisconsin fans. Four and five Northwestern. Five and four uh, Wisconsin. I'm, I'm like Anchorman. You put it on the sheet. I'm just going to read it out loud once I get into a zone like that. With that being said, we've got a four and five Northwestern, five and four Wisconsin. Okay. So if Wisconsin doesn't win this game, they definitely have the opportunity to get bull eligible with Nebraska and Minnesota. However, if I'm a Wisconsin fan and yeah. you lose this game, you're thinking to yourself, how confident am I that we're going to beat either Nebraska or uh, Minnesota if we can't win at home versus Northwestern? Does does that make sense? So at one point I no, had a right. lower bowl game bowl rating, and then I started ratcheting it back up. And with Northwestern, I, their their bowl game ability isn't on life support. I not like that, but like obviously you drop this game, it is on life support. This is a gettable game for them. I really I really believe that. So. Not the intrigue that Wisconsin fans wanted coming into the year for this game, but there certainly is still intrigue in 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 Madison on on Saturday. Yeah, and I think the intrigue with this game is not what I was expecting to say at this point in the season. Right. But the intrigue to me is the quarter the quarterback situation for both of these teams because you have a Wisconsin team who's fully transitioned to Brayden Lott out of necessity and you have a Northwestern team that's fully riding Brendan Sullivan because he's been the better player. So, I mean, that's, that's interesting to me because you look at these teams traditionally and you think Wisconsin's going to run the ball. Northwestern's going to play good defense and run the ball. And that's not what these two teams are right now. No, it's not. Um, I have been borderline obsessed the last week or two watching Wisconsin, trying to figure out what is going on with the Badgers I can't put my finger on exactly when it happened in the game versus Indiana, but this this is something that I saw. Wisconsin was moving the ball well, right? They're moving the ball down the field. They're mixing it up, mo- mostly with the pass on this drive. I think they had it right around Indiana's 30, S- somewhere close to field goal range, okay? And it was right around, so right around the 30, right around third and two. Penalty. Now it's third and seven. Whatever was potentially on the play card, now you pretty much have to throw the ball. Took a sack, knocked him out of field goal range. That is what is happening to Wisconsin across the board. It's always something very close to that. It's not necessarily turnovers. It's just sloppy play. A dropped catch from the wide receiver, which is still a concern. A horribly placed penalty by either the O or, or D, mostly I, I feel like it's from the the offense. I've heard Badger fans getting grumbly about these being coachable things that should be fixed, especially out of the coach. I was just going to say, those kind of discipline things are coaching. Once we're in November, that's the Wisconsin I have been seeing. It's been pretty consistently inconsistent to, to be kind of glib with it. Is this the game that all of a sudden Wisconsin puts it together and they look better? It, it could be, okay? Northwestern, not as good on the road. It could happen. But to a certain degree, I feel like you are what you are a little bit when you're this late in the season. But if I'm a Badger fan, it's it's can we finally put this thing together? Yeah, you've got to put the, some of the parts together because at times throughout the year, you've seen every single piece of this Wisconsin team that looks like it's pretty good 
But at the same time, you've seen every single piece of this Wisconsin team look pretty bad. Yes. So can you put can you put the sum of the parts together and find that concoction that makes you good enough to get to where you need to be for the rest of this year? That's what they have to do. And that comes down to coaching and Luke Fickle. Yeah. Luke Fickle has this history of being this elite coach, and everybody's talked about they've got to find a way to get this team where it needs to be. And it's they're running out of time. This isn't an yes. easy test to do this. No, it's this not. is a good Northwestern team. It, it is. Um, and speaking of Northwestern, you, you got to give a shout out to Brendan Sullivan. He, You want to talk about a team on the opposite side of the ledger. This is a team that looks better. I mean, it, th- they are 5% better, you know, every, every single week, week. maybe yep. 8%, you know, so I don't know, but like they have just kept improving every week. Not great on the road. That is what makes me the most nervous about this. Uh, but Brendan Sullivan, I feel like has taken a step up. Um, I feel like they've got a shot. You know, they've got a guy that they can throw to uh, down the field with Bryce Kurtz. So I do think that's the potential that Northwestern has to put points on the board. It takes time for them to find a rhythm running the ball. What, whatever that is, I it, it they find a whoever has the hot hand, something like that. That's what I see a lot. I'm, I'm not sure. So it's it's definitely not a, a fast starting Wildcats team. And what I think that means is. They don't have the talent that they can just splash you with. They have such good coaching that they start finding their little weaknesses in the other team's defense, and they, and they start making plays. So I I think that's kind of what we're going to see. It wouldn't surprise me to see Wisconsin jump up in this game, and then Northwestern just kind of hangs around and hangs around. Um, if North if Wisconsin jumps out, I, I'm still going to go back to Bryson Green. I think he is their big play guy. Okay, we know who the go-to guy is in the slide. He'll keep making his catches, but that's where it needs to be. And, and by the way, I, I'm assuming you're assuming this too. But Mordecai, Braylon Allen, Chimray DK, from everything that I've I've gathered, they're they're still out this week. Maybe closer than people think with Mordecai, but but I still think they're going to be out. I think it's going to be the personnel that we've seen from Wisconsin the last two or three weeks. Yeah, that was that was the assumption I was going under with all three of those guys. We're not playing, but. Um, I I don't have a ton more I need to say on this. I think the Northwestern side, it's Bryce Kurtz, it's Brennan Sullivan. Those guys got to make plays. AJ Henning, those guys have got to make a couple big plays to go into Camp Randall and pull this upset off. Um, having said that, going into Camp Randall and getting this win is not easy. So if you're ready, I'll go right into my score here. Go for it. So I've got Wisconsin winning this game, but I do think this is a lot closer than in that 11 point spread so i've got wisconsin winning this 20 to 17 that's 37 points so that's pretty comfortably over under and only being three point difference i got northwestern covering that number pretty easily i think this is a close game most of the game like okay. you kind of like like you alluded to okay thought you were gonna go where i was gonna go there for a second we see a very similar situation i got wisconsin 24 northwestern 18 again this was not my intention this is a half point under the game total at 42 total points. That is a half game under or half point under, excuse me, the 42 and a half point. And with that spread being a little too bloated, I've got this as my Amador double barrel lock of the week. That's where I thought you were going. Second time. I'll that throw was my second out. pick. That was yeah, my second, that was your pick. second pick. Okay. Second time throwing this out in the last three weeks or maybe even two weeks. This ain't a bad, this ain't a bad money line bet. You know, small shekel, little decent payoff. I 
truth be told for people on my money line bets, I don't see as much value in a money line bet, eight points or less. At that point, I just take the points. I don't feel like the, you know, the it, it's enough of a reward. Once you get over 10 points, closer to 11, I really like it when it's two touchdowns. That's a nice payout here. But I think I think we got enough value here to, that you'd maybe put a sh- couple shekels on. I got way too much action already in, so I don't know that I'm going okay. to this week, but that's yeah. not a terrible idea. Oh, I can't wait to see your card once we're once we get a little closer to the weekend. All right. Moving into the evening, our one game with a big old spread on it. The three and six Michigan State Spartans coming into the horseshoe to take on the still number one ranked nine and oh Ohio State Buckeyes. This is at 6 30 p.m. on NBC line. Buckeyes by 31 and a hook over under 47. Vegas is saying 39 8 Buckeyes. This isn't a bowl game bowl, but this is the Jordan Bowl. His two favorite programs battling it out on the gridiron. Can't wait to see. You I would like. This thing down. I would like to formally petition a sinkhole in Columbus <laughs> as on big, Saturday evening, as big as the one in Wrigley, or or even bigger than that. Bigger. We need bigger. bigger. Yeah, yeah, we need bigger. Go ahead. So now the all-time series here: Ohio State leads thirty-six fifteen, uh, including seven in a row in this series, forty-nine to twenty last year, and some of these other games have not been very close. The Buckeyes in recent meetings have really owned the Spartans, and because mostly of being able to throw all and take advantage of a Spartan defensive secondary in the last few years. It has been, I mean, to be blunt, pretty bad, pretty bad. Yeah. But uh, this isn't your slightly older brothers. Ohio state passing attack is the issue right right here. Um, Again, transitive prop because let's, let's be honest. Nobody, neither one of us is picking Ohio state to lose the game, right? We obviously are both picking. So then the intrigue is what are we going to see in, in, in relation to the line? This is why we have lines. Right. And I, I, because of that, I find this very, intriguing um this just is not an explosive ohio state passing attack okay and the other thing too is it starts out slow this is a trend i mean i don't know how you can ignore it if you're a buckeye fan the first half of these games has been slow if i'm giving a a idea on why i think that is it's because ryan day still sets out to want to do what he has done in the past, which is splash plays on the outside down the field. Teams, by and large, are are taking that away. You you have to put at least two guys over on Marvin Harrison Jr.'s side of the field. You saw Rutgers do it last week. I'm not saying Michigan State's going to be as good at that because I think Rutgers is simply a better defense, but I think you're going to see somewhat of a game plan like that. And Michigan State does have a better defense than people get credit for, Okay. Um, and I got off topic here a little bit. The, the, and then what I see is Ohio State trying to get the ball to the outside is what I was going to say. And then they adjust and start throwing the ball under to Travion Henderson because the defense is is gone. They're out of the, they're out of the, the TV screen as, as you're watching this, right? Travion Henderson slips in because he is so special. What I'm wondering is, would Ryan Day go to that sooner in this game? Is that what people are seeing by this line being so high? But anyways, there's a big, deep X's and O breakdown that I'm, I'm that I'm continually intrigued watching Ohio State when they have the ball. Yeah, it's really interesting. If that's, I mean, you're you're right. The game theory is exactly what has happened with Ohio State, and you wonder if what you're saying is why. But would you say would you say I'm 100 percent right? <laughs> no, I wouldn't. <laughs> um. To me, for Michigan State defensively, it's what you said. Obviously, you can't let Marvin Harrison, Doubly, and those guys get loose. You're, you, you've got to play this 
this game to try to muck it up. So you play them deep and you, you force them to beat you in the red zone. You make your defense. And you, what honestly has been the best part of their defense, they've been pretty good against the run. I mean, Simeon Barrow, Cal Halliday, those guys do. I mean, they're not great, but they do pretty well at stopping the run. So play deep. Trust your front seven to just make plays and slow that rushing attack down for as long as you can to try to keep yourself in this game. And then the Ohio State side, we know the struggles offensive line-wise where they've had, and it doesn't seem to I mean, at this point, I think it is what it is. It is what it is. And Kyle yep. McCord, yeah, Kyle McCord has been consistent and smooth at times. Although I would say last week, I think we took a step in the wrong direction with him. But he just has to stay in the offense yeah. and do exactly what he did to Travion Henderson, get the ball to the open guy when they're there, and don't try to force things. And and I think that that's what that's the game plan needs to be, just be the better, more talented offense that they are and right. not try to be this fat, sexy, flashy I, show that they were last year because they're just not that team. Not to break my arm, pat myself on the back, but I swear I've been saying this since August that this is what I think this team should be. And I'm not saying they're not leaning on their defense. It's it's more the style of the play calls. Um, I think Ryan Day is stubborn. And maybe Ryan Day's thought process is, great, we win the Big Ten by that style of play, but we can't win a, a college football playoff championship unless we have that throw game. So I'm going to keep working on that throw game or, or beat Michigan. You know, that, that's the other side of it because maybe they're like, we definitely are going to need – the downfield passing. So that's why they stick with it. We'll see. We'll see how it plays out for, for this game. Cal McCord looked better in the first half. Right. Um, and as far as Sparty, I'm assuming it's going to be Kate Hauser and Sam Lovett again, you know, um, can we get some guys back for Michigan state? I think Malik Carr, I think if he's back, he could, he could do a little bit of work, you know, in this game. So I'm going to go ahead and jump into it. I feel pretty good about this. Yep. Um, there's two different scenarios. There, there's essentially three scenarios for this game that, that I see it. Scenario one is Ohio State scores early, often, and late, and just runs away with this, hence covers the spread, okay? The other two games are this. Um, Ohio State gets up and is covering backdoor cover for Michigan State as things slog down because I don't think you keep I don't think you keep your starting quarterback and especially Marvin Harrison Jr. in this game. Like you, you need Marvin Harrison and Travion Henderson available for the rest of the year. Why risk them? So that opens the door for a backdoor cover, or it's just a sloggy type of game that we've seen out of Ohio state the past three or four weeks. So like to me, 66% of the options here lean towards Michigan state and the point. So I got Ohio state 34, Michigan state 10, Felt pretty good, considered this being, uh uh-oh, did we do it again? Considered this being the lock of the week, but Michigan State going into the horseshoe is what makes me the most nervous with that. Uh, And at 44 points, I've got that going under the game total. We did it again. Wow, insane. I have Ohio Ohio State, I think so, yeah. I have Ohio State 34, Michigan State 10. The one difference is I do have this as my Amador double barrel Lock of the week is Michigan State plus 31 and a half. I just don't think this Ohio State offense should be giving 31 and a half points. That's a lot of points to ask this team to try to cover, even at home. All right, and that brings us to the Big Ten Game of the Week. Getting 66, or excuse me, 60% of the roughly 900 votes, the 9 and 0. Number three ranked Michigan Wolverines coming in to Happy Valley to take on the eight and one 
top 10 ranked Penn State Nittany Lions. This is an 11 o'clock a.m. game on Fox, better known as Big Noon. Line Wolverines by four and a hook over under 46. Vegas is saying something like 25 to 20 Wolverines. Michigan does lead the all-time series 16 to 10. So overall pretty close. 41-17 last year in the big house. Obviously we remember that game as Michigan's rushing attack just kind of ran wild in the second half and had over 400 yards rushing. I'm going to go out on a limb here and predict. I can see that. I'm going to see that many yeah. rushing yards in this game. So this is the second leg of our triumvirate of amazing games in the Big Ten Conference. We're going to give this one the same uh, treatment as we gave the other one, which is we're going to break it down one side versus the other. Uh, Jordan, I didn't exactly uh, clue you in on that before we started recording, but you're good. You don't I need to. I, I yeah, fully, fully I figured, expected this. I figured as much. So let's go ahead and start with Michigan's offense versus Penn State's defense. I don't know which of these matchups intrigue me more. They intrigue me both a lot. I'll let you start out. Michigan's offense versus Penn State defense. What what are we looking for here? Because as you just said, the rushing attack just caved in Penn State last year, kind of last couple years. I'd be surprised to see that this year. Well, and I think, yeah, obviously I don't I don't think we're going to run the ball anywhere near the success we had yeah. last year. That's a different offense, different style of offense that we're running right now. But I do think that running the ball for Michigan is important in this game because the one place I think this Penn State defense is still a little bit weak is in the middle of their mm. defensive line and running yeah. the ball. Now, there's multiple ways that you can have success in exploiting that. And the one thing we haven't that we didn't see last week for Michigan that we have seen in moments is JJ McCarthy's legs. They haven't wanted him taking hits and getting hurt. Well, this is a game where you got to lay it all on the table because you can't you can't hold anything back here. You get this is one of the only one of the biggest games of the year for you. I think you see JJ McCarthy's legs early on to force Penn State to respect that, and in turn that opens up a little bit of that interior running game. That to me is the number one piece of this matchup because Penn State's secondary is very very good. So the Michigan wide receivers are going to have trouble getting open. So what you have to do is loosen up that running game a little bit to force them to bring a little bit more support to try to slow that running attack down. I don't disagree with anything you just said. I don't think we'll see JJ's legs till later, though. I, I think Michigan is going to trust on what they do and what they do on, on defense um, first. So I think that's like an ace in the hole that they hold back. Although I don't disagree that Penn State is a little bit more susceptible right up the middle, it's much better. I expect Chop Robinson to be back and 100% in this game. Uh, so that plays in, in a couple factors, okay? And the other side of it, I would say, is although Michigan is still very strong up the middle, I, I feel like Michigan offense up the middle, rushing the ball, has decreased. It, it used to be like a Madden 98. Now it's like a 91 or 2, Okay. Penn State's rushing attack up the middle was like an 84, and now it's like an 88, 89. Okay. That's um, fair. That's that, fair. So it's, it's, yeah. it not, you know, when you did the separate between the two of them, it was big, but it, it, it has shrunk down. The other side of it is we still like Blake Horam, all right, especially in the red zone. But even when he's getting through that initial push, he's not breaking off the big ones. We're nine, like we're talking, we're nine games into this. It's just not happening, okay? And I don't expect it to happen this week in Abbey Valley, okay? So, um, thought you know, that's just a thought I have there. With that being said, 
what would it would consider what people would consider a strength, which for sure is Penn State's secondary against. I don't want to say a weakness with Michigan's talent on the outside, but not the not the explosiveness that you get from like elite passing attacks. Okay, I don't know if I've worded that correct, but that that's what I mean. Like, but Holton Loveland, that is somebody that I, I'm I'm going to keep my my eyes on. But as far as wide receivers making splash plays, I'll give you one. Hard for me to see consistent splash plays out of the wide receivers. But when we don't see that, then I get what we're going to see, which is J.J. McCarthy taking over the game more with his legs than anything else. Um, This could be a potential Heisman moment for J.J. McCarthy, Heisman game. However, it's going to have to be a patient J.J. McCarthy because I don't think you're going to get it early. Don't force it, J.J., Keep your feet underneath you. Make confident throws. Don't be a knucklehead. Like don't be, don't be the weird JJ. Just be the inside yourself, JJ. It'll come to you. So one thing I'll point out with Blake Corum, because you know you've heard a lot of people say that exact same thing that you said about him. He's not breaking the big runs. You do realize he has 120 less carries at this point than he did last year. Jordan, I, I truth be told, I I get some DMs saying that your your Michigan fandom comes out quite a bit. And so I'm, and I'm supposed to keep you in check. So this would be one time where I would I I understand that. I also think the reason that he's not getting as many carries is because number one, they've they're just been housing people and they're trying to keep him healthy because I don't think he's all I don't think he's all there. That, I, that, I don't, that's kind of what I'm getting at. There's yes. the tread is left on the tires for yes. a potential for that to happen. Yeah. So I I and and to me it's just could be wrong, but I, I I just don't see the same Blake Corum. It's still even even level down. Blake Corum is still extremely effective. His vision is still there, uh, but I, I I think the explosive rushing attack just just this is his next. I think this, you, this year. I, well, I guess what I'm what I'm saying is I think you see more than ten to eleven carries from Blake Corum in this game. I wouldn't be yes. surprised if he's in the twenty to twenty five carries. Oh this yeah, this is a completely different different game. Switch to the other side, yeah, if we could. Penn State offense versus Michigan defense. This is where in Michigan fans' eyes, probably the guy I'm sharing a screen with right now, where there's a distinct advantage for Michigan's defense. What are you saying? I Well, distinct advantage to me, I, I don't know that I necessarily say that because this Penn State offense, while it's not the explosive and wow offense, is still extremely good and extremely productive yes. offense. To me, this, again, I said it earlier on in the pod about another game. This game comes down to the trenches to me on both sides of it. I mean, Penn State's sure. offensive line has has had some moments of struggle, and Michigan's defensive line has been nothing short of elite all year. So can Penn State and keep Drew Aller comfortable enough and clean enough to where he can stay in the offense and do what they're doing and get some downfield passing game, or does Michigan have to get more creative and try to find a way to get to him? That, to me, is what I'm watching in this sure. game because – we know that Aller's talented. We know Singleton and Katron Allen. We know what they are. If they can, if Aller can stay comfortable and confident and in the system, that's where Penn State's going to have their most success. That way, they can get those running backs some space and running. If Michigan's got to get creative, Michigan's got to be able to stay in what they want to do with their defense, and Penn State's got to try to get them out of that. And that's where this game can get sideways for Michigan if they can't get to Aller and cause him to be uncomfortable. Those are excellent points. Uh, that was great breakdown. Um, Essentially, what I would add is, you know, Drew Aller looks better at home, okay? And Drew Aller, I feel like 
has a little bit been unlocked these last couple weeks. It it seems to ever since that late throw versus Indiana, it seems like we're seeing the maturation and a step up from Drew Aller. If Penn State is going to win this game, it has to be with Drew Aller doing things. Like it just has to be. I I the only other thing that I would throw out there is Daquan Hardy. Okay. If he makes a huge special teams play, you know, throw something out there as well. So I'm I'm, I'm not saying that couldn't happen, uh, but mostly it's going to have to come from Drew Aller making plays. Just don't trust the Penn State receivers enough to tear this Michigan secondary and defense apart. Do think there can be success in the rushing attack, but not to the degree that would cause Michigan major issues. So I, I think we're saying the same thing there. And Drew Aller has been a ton better. Uh, at home all right that that's another thing too so not only has he looked better lately he has trended better in happy valley all year long well another and another piece of the michigan defense that kind of plays into what you're just saying josh wallace who is the one of michigan's corners left the purdue game gimpy and is questionable at this point whether he's going to play and if you remember at the beginning of the year the number one question about this michigan defense was the corner position and specifically the depth seen a lot of young guys playing there but a lot of with young guys comes mistakes, and you don't want to necessarily have that young guy in a game like this. So if Josh Wallace is out, that might be a spot where you see Penn State try to attack is that second corner position away from Will Johnson. Fair enough. Um, I'm ready to go, or unless you – it's your game. I feel like you should no, have – you want the last no. say? Yeah, let, let, yeah, yeah say. I'll bring it home. Okay. Great game. All right. Uh, all the big noon naysayers. Listen, I, I love night games. I do. Obviously, seeing this as a whiteout and a, the Penn State crowd, I, I'm not completely throwing that argument out the window. What I would say, though, is you can't have every college football game be on at night. The, all the great games, like, and we've got. If you've looked at the slate, we've got a ton of them on Saturday. I personally am happy that this is at 11 o'clock start for me here, Central Standard me Time. Too. I, well, I know you are too. And everything, right? And I know you are too, and, and, and because I think I would rather play. At 11 the night, okay? So if I am a Penn State fan, I support your anger that this isn't at night. I want to be clear. As a college football fan and Big Ten fan, I love that it's at noon, but to each their own. What are we going to see? I think it's going to have kind of the same feel-ish that the Penn State-Ohio State game had, okay? Tight, low scoring, yards at a premium, points at even more of a premium. Then at some point it busts out. I, I expect that to happen somewhere late third quarter okay somewhere around there and then we get more points on the board okay i'm a little nervous if i'm a manny diaz you know hater or or or, you know penn state fan with manny diaz because i am a little bit nervous on him locking up so much man coverage and what that produces for jj okay i think that could be huge so like i agreed with what your points you're saying before I just don't think it'll happen till later. I think it's going to be tight. I think Vegas is saying something with that line. I've got Michigan 23, Penn State 21. That is a Michigan win, but a Penn State cover. And at 45 points, I got this just under the game total. I don't disagree with anything that you said. I think this game is going to be close. I think the defenses on both of these games, both of these teams are very, very good. Um, I think the the X factor in these big games is let's go back and look at the Penn State Ohio State game. What was the difference in that game? One of those teams had Marvin Harrison Jr. The other team didn't. That was the only difference in that. 
to me, I think the big difference in this game is J.J. McCarthy is right now a step ahead of where Drew Aller is. I think Drew Aller could be a better long-term prospect than what J.J. is, but he's still early on in his career. So to me, a J.J. McCarthy being the athlete that he is and the man coverage that you said and him being able to exploit some of that more with his legs necessarily than his arm, I think is where I lean with what makes me yep. feel better about this game than I normally would. So I have Michigan winning the game. I know shock, surprise, crazy from everybody, <laughs> but I do think it stays lower scoring. I guess it's over. I'm over the total, but I got Michigan 28, Penn State 20. So that's Michigan covering the number and just over. But I don't think this is a situation where you see a, like last year where Michigan and this game is close and then Michigan blows it open. In Happy Valley, these games are always close. You have two very evenly matched teams. I just think the separator is the quarterback position right now and J.J. McCarthy being where he's at. No, and obviously I don't think you're biased for picking Michigan to win the game. I mean, they're they're favored by four and a half points. The crazy thing is, I mean, this is how my brain works. I know I'm not alone, but if this was Michigan favored by seven and a half, I would have picked Michigan to win by 10 or more, to be honest with you. But since it's all the way down at four and a half, again, stinky cheese, that's Vegas alerting things. So that's what I think. But I, uh, part of that part of that's Happy Valley. I mean, it's not easy sure. going into that place. I mean, no, I mean. Most, you, home, most home environments, they say three and a half. I'd bet you that. The Happy Valley is probably closer to four, four and a half points. Yep, agree. As far as the advantage goes, totally agree. We got a great game, uh, a great weekend of games, is what I should say. Because of that, Jordan and I went long. We were excited to talk. Uh, hopefully, you all followed along and were excited to listen to us talk as much as we liked talking. Jordan, you got anything you want to add? Nope, I'm ready. For, I'm ready for this weekend to get here. I am so glad that game is at noon. So I'm hoping I can enjoy a few Amadors to watch the rest of the Big Ten weekend unfold, or drink yourself into an oblivion if it doesn't. One of unfold. the two will yeah. happen. Either I'll be enjoying <laughs> them and watching football, or I will put myself into a stupor and not have to remember it. So. I am Jeffrey the Greek. I am Jordan. Don't forget to ask for Amador. This has been the Eyes on Big Podcast. We'll talk to you soon.